Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions, hosted by author, speaker, coach, and singer-songwriter Creelan Peters, also known as the Fear Whisperer. Listen in as Creelan interviews powerful people who have tamed their fears, learned to embrace their greatness, and gotten out of their own damn way. And now, Creelan Peters. Hi, and welcome back to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions. I'm your host, Creelan Peters. Today I have a wonderful guest, Mary Kalestow, and she is going to be talking with us about her Get Out of Your Own Damn Way story. Before I bring Mary on the line, I just want to tell you a little bit more about her. Mary channels the wisdom of animals and nature to help others create meaningful rituals that bring peace and joy back into their lives. From her acreage in the Ozarks, she utilizes a mix of spiritual coaching, support, and handcrafted products to help others become the catalyst for change in their own lives. She shares her land with horses, geese, chickens, cats, the office rabbit, parrots, and her family, including her husband and her mom. Thank you so much, Mary, and welcome to the sessions. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, and I and I love I love how you bring animals. I can't wait to hear more about that too, because I I've been following you on on Facebook. We kind of uh, met in a in a networking group online, and um, I just love all your little stories about all your animals. I, I'm a, I'm a cat person myself, so. <laughs> um, but I wanted to to really start and just kind of dive in there and and ask you to explain. You know, whatever part of your story you want to share about how you've been able to get out of your own way. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think I became aware that I was in my own way um, in 2012. Circumstances arise where I could move down here to the Ozarks because it was something my husband and I had talked about a lot. I was born and raised in Iowa, knew I wanted an acreage for my horse. And my husband kind of put his foot down and said, we are not moving any further north, no winter. And so I had to look somewhere where the winters weren't as bad, and we discovered property down here in the Ozarks, and I just fell in love. It is so beautiful. Well, when I went to move, I had this beautiful, beautiful image of where we'd live, how it would work out, how everything would be just awesome. Mm-hmm. And once I got down here and immersed in making a homestead, figuring things out, getting our chickens you know, settled and that, I realized I was in my own way. And so what I really started to do was get out of my head and tune into the beauty of the land around me, tune into my animals, something I had always done for their messages and what they were trying to teach me. And that really helped me to step out of my own way and get connected more with who I was and move forward with our goals. Absolutely. And I I love how you put that too, as far as like you had to get out of your head. That's like such a big thing. But I also loved how you, you had said that you had this picture. Like how many of us have this picture of the perfect life or the perfect relationship or the perfect business or, or whatever it is, we have this image in our head. And the the difference between the image and the reality is often like this huge chasm that we can fall into and just like spiral down. So tell us more about kind of that discrepancy between what you thought was going to be this perfect image and what the reality was. Well, thank you. 
it was fascinating because I the what prompted us to move is me getting laid off from a way toxic job. Um mm-hmm. Top, bad, bad. I mean, it was a blessing. People go, oh, my God, you were laid off, you know. And, and it's true, I was one of those people that was laid off in the financial crash, but it's literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that me moving down here to the Ozarks, making this beautiful life for my husband and my mom and I would fix me. Mm-hmm. That my my fibromyalgia, my depression, all that head stuff would just poof, magically go away because I was down here and could see my horses every day and that. And it really took everything kind of falling apart for me to realize that even though, you know, to say that our place is a fixer-upper is a a stretch. I mean, it it needs some TLC, and we're given it that TLC. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to realize that, you know, I this perfect life right here where I'm at and I did not need this place or this move or anyone to fix me because I really wasn't broken and really again tuning into the the messages and the things as they came up to kind of leave that pretty storybook picture behind and start to see the beauty and the joy and everything that I had around me as it was, even though it didn't match that picture out of a magazine or that picture on my vision board, that everything was perfect with white, you know, white picket fences and you know, this beautiful home and everything. Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. And and that that what you said about not being broken, like what a what an epiphany that must have been for you. It's you know there there's a saying wherever you are there you or wherever you go there you are. And so when we're trying to escape kind of whatever it is that we don't like or that we're struggling with, what we end up finding out is it follows us <laughs> wherever we go. And and I, I think so many people can relate to that. You know, I know I can. It's, you know, you, you move or you get a different job or, or you're forced out of a job. I've been laid off myself, and that that's not fun. It's It's actually quite a crash course in learning how to define who you are in relation to not the job, you know, in other ways. And and so it it sounds like you've had some other struggles with um, health-wise and and also with depression and and fibromyalgia. I've had clients who've had that as well, and it is not uh, a fun thing to watch people go through. No, it it isn't. And you're so true about defining yourself with the job because that was me. I had the full-time job. I was making, you know, 50000 a year without a college degree. I was doing everything. I was the one that everybody looked up to and said, you need to be more like Mary. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they didn't want me anymore at the job, it was like, who am I? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I'd worked for the company for 15 years, so I totally had to find myself by this job and this thing that I had been doing. Mm-hmm. And really that's kind of where where the fibro started. And I had known that if I got to a place where I was at a different pace, where I had more of that be- beauty and more of that space around me to spend time with my animals because they really have been my saviors, that that would help with the fibromyalgia symptoms. And it, it has. I, I won't lie. I have flares like anybody does. Mm-hmm. But I know um, what I need to do to, you know, come back and, and feel better. And that's really the point, isn't it? We we, we all have mm-hmm. something, whether it's a health issue or 
stress or whatever challenge it is. And that's exactly what I tell my clients is it's not the obstacle, it's how you deal with it. It's how you come back from it and and are able to bounce back or to get back to a different place. Because I know you mentioned, too, about the, the layoff, and sometimes those things are blessings in disguise. Um, I, you know, I can relate to being in toxic situations or toxic jobs or, or toxic relationships even. And, and it's so pain, it can be so painful when it's ripped away from you. And yet later you can see, oh my gosh, thank goodness, because now I can really get back to what I know is going to work or what I've been called to work on and what I've been called to really focus on because and you said that you have you know you've always known that your animals kind of help you but but we get I think we get really kind of stuck in that um that day you know the 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 daily kind of grind and especially if you're in a mm-hmm. toxic situation and it's like oh, you know I wish I had time for fill in the blank of what you're passionate about and yet you're you you kind of are really focused on surviving in that that toxic kind of place and and so it's so easy to lose sight of it. Very much so. I had written a book on animal reiki back oh probably mm-hmm. 2006ish um wrote and published a book and it was actually my getting my rights back to that book that started the publishing company part of what I do and you know, I'd written this really powerful book on Reiki for animals because back then there wasn't anything out on that. And, it, you know, even back then I knew that what I wanted to do as far as bringing the wisdom of the animals to people and helping them tap into that, even, you know, if they think they have, you know, oh, I've got, you know, this this cat or this dog and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they lay around the house all day, what can they teach me? And there's tons mm-hmm. and tons of wisdom that they can teach us. And so, yeah, even back then, I knew that there was something better for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I have um, one cat now. My His brother passed uh, about three years ago. But uh, even in that process, there was so much to learn. Um, but my cat, I, I, I learned so much from my cat. I'm like, oh, you know, sometimes you just need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> or slow down or demand like I love how they demand attention you know what I mean like it's it's you know we need to ask for what we need and I think animals really help us do that definitely they do they do I have um he's seven now but I have a feral kitten that we rescued um quite the story about it but his biggest gift is he's he, he he's a cuddle bug now. I tamed him down in that, and he's a mama's boy. And you know, I could be having the worst day in the world, but he curls up next to me, puts his paw on me, starts purring, and I just feel the love radiating off of him. Yeah. And it's like, you know, oh yeah, you know, I I am loved. And if he can if he can go from scared little feral kitten to this, you know, it it's good. I'm good. Right. <laughs> and that's what gets us going. It is. I love. It. I I call my cat a cuddle bug too. So I love that. <laughs> so and I love that you you did animal reiki. I haven't. Um, I guess I haven't heard too much about that, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, so and I just want to give you an opportunity to explain what reiki is for people out there who may not know what it is. 
Sure. Reiki is a Japanese method of stress reduction and healing, and it works with the energy field. It, it ties into chakras and, you know, auras and energy. But really, it's a way of clearing out old energy and relaxation. Hmm. And in, in cats, when my husband and I got together, it was like almost like the Brady Bunch of cats. It was a his and her household. <laughs> and we ended up with basically a household of geriatric cats. We used hmm. to joke that it was Mary's old cat home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sadly, as comes with older pets, I saw, I you know, hyperthyroidism, diabetes, renal failure, we saw we saw the those cats through it. Um, our cat that's seven now, the feral, was the youngest of the group, and I used Reiki so much on them. Of course, I used traditional veterinary medicine as well, but I used Reiki so much as a way of not just relaxing and healing them, but having that connection. Because you know, there's times when you do deal with geriatric pets that you always wonder, you know. Am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? And just mm-hmm. using Reiki on them, Reiki has the benefit of since you're channeling the energy, it also works on you as well. Right. And so it was just a way to just deepen that heartfelt connection and really ease their energy and ease their problems um, and at times ease their transition while helping keeping myself, you know, wrapped in that love and grounded. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's perfect. Yeah, I know there's there's a lot of people who who do work with animals who do talk about that grounding. Um, I know that in in therapy, there's a lot of work done with horses and with dogs okay. uh, to help with that as well. It sounds like you're you're right on track with all of that, and and I, it sounds like it kind of came out of your own personal experience with animals. Definitely, I had always had pets. Um, you know, even as a kid. I had guinea pigs, lots of turtles, lots of turtles, gerbils, hamsters, a cat. Um, Mary always had some sort of animals in our family. They were like, oh, yeah, it's Mary and her animals. <laughs> and so I had always had pets, but I'd also always intuitively known about their messages and their healing abilities because, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, things from school or childhood things, you know, there was nothing like, you know, even my turtles spending time with them, watching them really relaxed me, really kind of brought me back to nature and helped me with that. So, yeah, I've always had animals, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much to learn from them, absolutely. You know, what is occurring to me, too, as you're talking is I, I keep, I'm kind of one of those intuitive people, I know you are, too, um, and what keeps coming up for me is ask her more about the layoff and what lessons she learned from that. So I'm going to just dive in there and just ask you kind of, to, to go back into that place of of, of what it was like and, and how uh, what place you were in, what lessons you learned, what challenges you faced. Oh, my goodness. Um, with the layoff, like I said, I'd worked for the company. I won't name them to protect the guilty um, for <laughs> 15 years. And in the last years of my employment there, I dealt with harassment they violated the Americans with Disabilities Act, and HR literally told me, if you don't like it, quit. I mean, wow. that there was nothing. I mean, on multiple occasions even, there was nothing from them. But I thought it was what I was supposed to do. I worked, you know, like I said, I was making almost $50,000 a year, which I thought was awesome for somebody with no college degree. Um, 
and that, and so really what I realized, and I didn't realize this until after the layoff, we all kind of knew it was coming. It was a big financial firm, financial crash, mm-hmm. um, and the company that we bought outsourced everything. And, and we were getting calls from people who were getting laid off. And so I kind of said, okay, universe, if this is what's happening, give me a year. Give me a year's worth of severance. I don't know, you know, with my, my, my tenure how much I'm, I'm due, but I need a year's severance so I can get my business up and running. And if I'm going to get laid off, I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And got laid off, got my year severance, and it was towards the end of that year because I knew I didn't want another full-time job. I lived in Des Moines, which was a lo- is a lovely city. I have tons of friends there, but it wasn't me. I'm a country girl. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I've got two choices. I can either go back to work full-time and work myself to death, or I can make my dreams happen. And what I learned was, first of all, I learned that I am not my job. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I got laid off did not mean that they didn't want me anymore, did not mean that I was a bad person, that I was flawed in some way. They simply made a business decision that affected me, but it had absolutely nothing personally to do with me. And that was probably the first biggest lesson. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved down here and I could not get a new job, and that, that I think was harder because I was like, hello, you know, I'm an awesome employee why aren't you people hiring me? Well, where we moved is very rural. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that even applying for, like, McDonald's job, my resume, they're like, you know, they didn't <laughs> want somebody with I was too qualified. Right, right. And so, and so the other thing I learned, I just, the biggest lesson was that I, I'm a good person, and the fact that I can't get a job did not mean that I was bad in any way or flawed or that my life was ruined. It simply meant that there were other doors that were going to open, um, mm-hmm. and they did. I, I work for a company now um, that's a good company. I mean, I, I we've been inundated with kittens this spring. Um, now I know what the term kitten season means, and one of them um, has needed some medication and stuff. She's way better. But, you know, I work for a place now where I could bring her in every day so she mm-hmm. could get her medicine in the middle of the day and that. I mean, it's, it's good people. And so now I know, you know, and that's the other lesson, that just because a door is closed doesn't mean you'll never have another one open. And then really with everything that happened, because um, a lot happened after we moved down here, you know, it's just it's just the reinforcement that, there really was nothing wrong with me. I was not broken. I was not flawed. I simply needed to pay attention to my path and what I was meant to do. And I think that was the biggest lesson. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I love how you, you kind of were able to weave in the lessons there. I think that's so important. And, and what a blessing that you have a job where you can bring your animals if needed. I mean, my goodness, how many people can say that? Um, but it's such a passion for you that you, it sounds like you manifested a situation that was going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's flexible with time as far as like a mom um, or even, you know, I work from home sometimes because of the fibro or because I live out in the country and we've had a lot of rain lately. And so when the creek's flooded, I can't get to work. But you know, it's a place where I can work from home. So definitely mm-hmm. it's a very, very good place. Wonderful. And 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 just because one door closed, maybe that door was meant to close, it sounds like, um, so mm-hmm. that something better and bigger could come along. 
I love it when those juicy lessons come in with with stuff because we a lot of us um, what I call is it's selective amnesia. We forget what we know, and we forget mm-hmm. to look at at the lessons when we're in the midst of something, whether it's something we identify as a crisis or something very unpleasant, and it's so easy to lose sight that there's a reason for it and that there there can be a bigger blessing on the other side of it. Definitely. Yeah, so I love I love all of those lessons that you have and and that you were able you mentioned several times too about not understanding that you're not flawed, you're not a bad person and I think anything that can teach us that is is so valuable because I I'm of the same kind of school of thought is that we're we're not I, I think there are bad choices but not bad people. That's kind of how I phrase it. Um but everything is there to teach us. Everything is there to give us a lesson and to to help us move forward and toward our passion. And sometimes we're ready to accept the challenge and sometimes we're not. Um, and I don't know about you, but I found that in the times where I am not ready to accept the challenge, it it tends to get a little bit more painful before it gets better. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I've also found... On the flip side of that coin, that there's times where we instinctively know when to surrender, mm-hmm. um, where where we realize that this isn't about us personally. I mean, there's lessons and there's things that we can learn, but it's not, you know, punishing or bad things. And so you just surrender, and then it just takes care of itself, and the ease comes back there um, when we're not resisting that lesson. Yes. Oh, I love how you put that. I'm, I'm like, taking notes here. I always take notes when I talk to people because you guys all have such wonderful insights. Um, but I, I love that. It's, it is. There's that, that fine line between, between that resistance and, and the surrender. I love that word. And and I found that, too, is when, when you're able to just kind of let go and realize that whatever's going to come is what's meant to come and you just it it frees up so much energy and then like you said there's that ease about it and it it's so at oh, that that if we can learn to do that more i think that that is where the transformation comes um for us to be able to really accept that whatever is coming is going to be good even if it doesn't necessarily look like something we recognize right away um, but that eventually it will be for our highest good. Definitely, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love, I love your story. I love how you you talked about that the lessons that you learned from from your struggle of um, being laid off and and moving and having this picture perfect kind of image of what it would be and then the reality was different not bad but different but what i really love is all the lessons that you learned from it and and how you've also incorporated um the lessons from animals into the work that you've done well thank you thank you yeah they've they've been they've been my guide um and they've been my teacher for many years and i just I find that their connection, they live in the now. I mean, they don't stress, they don't worry. Um, 
you know, they they may act like it, you know, at 4 o'clock my horses may be pacing the fence and acting like they're worried, but they're not worried they're going to get fed. But, they, um, <laughs> you know, they, they – they they don't they live in the now and yeah. it's that connection to the now that really I think I think if there's one thing that defines us as being human is the fact that we get in our head and we start you know what ifing and you know what if this yeah. happens and we should and animals you know they don't do that and so they really kind of you know connect us and ground us and say hey you know, look around you everything's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, and what may look like panic on the outside is just, oh, I'm kind of excited. I'm going to get fed in an hour, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and I think that they are able to really help us get there. I think animals and, and young children um, also mm-hmm. uh, can help us really live in the now, which which is so helpful. And I think, and that's another kind of cornerstone to what you were talking about, is, is being able to live in the present helps us be able to surrender more easily and to be able to accept um, whatever's going on around us and whatever's coming toward us. I think that's one of the cornerstones. I know, and I'm sure just based on what you've, you've said, um, that like me, you also kind of teach your clients about that present moment focus and about really getting into um, looking at what's just right in front of us in the here and now rather than getting stuck and immobilized by what happened in the past or uh, you know, on the other side of that coin is completely worried and what ifing, as you said, and uh, about what might happen in the future. I do, I do, and one of the things too I focus on with my clients is I'd like to talk about the the power of a five minute ritual because. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to have a busy life. Everybody seems to be busy these days. So many people, especially of, you know, my age, we take care of our parents. They may have children they take care of. So you're you're struggling to find time for yourself. And so when I work with people, I like to get them focused on, you know, five minutes at a time. We can find five minutes in a multitude of places and use that five minutes to start developing a practice, even if it's in the shower. You know, a lot of people, I hang out with a lot of authors being a writer, and we always say the best ideas come to you in the shower, and it's because that is like the one place where you're in the present moment is in the shower. And so, you know, short short bursts of being in the now will do so much rather than, stressing out and worrying and what if thing and shooting ourselves about an hour, you know, I'm sure I need to take an hour of the day to meditate or I need to take an hour to write in my journal. And it's like, start with five minutes, see how yeah. that goes. Then build up from there if you want to and if you feel moved, moved to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I, I hope people kind of see that too because we do, we get so bogged down in thinking about Scheduling an hour to do something when I already feel like I can't get everything done in a day is it, it adds to the stress for me anyway, um, and I know for a lot of my clients. So I love that the five minute ritual. That's that's absolutely perfect. So, Mary, we are almost out of time, and I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you if they have any questions, want to know more about your work. So can you can you tell people how to get in touch with you? Sure. My website and my business is charmedchicken.com. 
that's termed like the TV show and Chicken Like a Chicken. You'll see the story there on my website as to how that came to be. It's at charmchicken.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at charmchicken.com. Um, on Twitter, I am at Charmed Ozarks. But there's a contact me form on my website. Definitely feel free to reach out to me if anything I've said has spoken to you. And I do reply to everybody, but my website and Facebook is the best way to get in touch with me. Great. Thank you so much. And I do encourage anyone who is touched by Mary's story, wants more information, just wants to say, hey, this is what I learned. Thank you so much. Please reach out to her because we all love to hear how we've touched lives because that's what we're here for. So, um, And, Mary, as we, as we do wrap up, are there any final thoughts or words or tips you have for our audience on how they might be able to get out of their own damn way? There is. I think the biggest thing would be to take that five minutes and take the five minutes. And one of the exercises actually in my in my free workbook on my website is to take five minutes, write down all of your I am statements that are running through your mind. And then when you look at those, look at the ones you want to change. Not you know, not negative, not just anything you want to change and see how you can rewrite those. I am busy, for example, would become I am capable of accomplishing everything and still having time for myself. Hmm. You know, look at those I am statements, see how you want to change those, and always, always stay tuned to the animals in your life or the animals that cross your path that you may see on your commute because each and every one of them does have messages for you. Wonderful. I love it. And you mentioned free workbook. What's the name of it? It is the work, the Getting Unscrambled Workbook. Wonderful. And that's located on charmchicken.com? It is. Yep. Right um, on the front page there, there's a, a box to, to get that, and that is our free workbook. Wonderful. So if, if you want to learn more about that five-minute ritual and the I Am exercise, feel free to go to Mary's website to get your free copy. Thank you so much, Mary, for being on the program and sharing your story. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Jam. Oh. The Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions. Hello. And please stay tuned for more inspirational stories. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way Jam Sessions with Creelan Peters. Join us next time for more inspirational stories and invite your friends to join us at www.creelan.com slash getoutofyourwayinterviews. That's www.kryly.com slash getoutofyourwayinterviews. Thanks for tuning in.